Welcome to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, March 26. I'm your host, Caden Rutherford. Joining me is Cody Headland, and joining us via Skype calls Colburn Blue Larson. On today's episode, we talk about the NCHA Kit Kat Sugar Super Sticks that gets heated up in Fort Worth, Texas this Thursday. Then, we break a little NCHA news regarding the new executive director hire. Also, we sit down and have an awesome chat with NCHA Cutting Horse Trainer and most recently, the five and six year old open champion at the Cattlemen's Cutting, Casey Green. Last but not least, we wrap the show up discussing the Section K podcast, March Madness Bracket Pool, and also add a little tourney talk and some observations that we noticed throughout the NCAA March Madness tournament so far. The Super Stakes gets heated up this Thursday. Starting out with the five, six-year-old Open Classic Division first go-round, followed by the four-year-old Open Derby. You guys pretty pumped about the Super Stakes getting getting started? I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, the Super Stakes being the second leg of the Triple Crown, it's always an exciting event. Yeah, we've been gone from Will Rogers too long, it seems like. I'm ready to be back. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to yep. catch a cold. The, the, the warmer months are starting. Going to go from that warm Fort Worth hot air to the – frigid air of the will rogers the memorial coliseum i could not be more excited about it i'm pumped yeah. I'm so excited to be there for three weeks and watch a ton of good cutting tons of good horses really excited about the new schedule like we've talked about and excited to show excited to watch the finals before i show um i think it's going to be going to be a good all-around good time in yep. fort worth for this year's super stake so I'm, yeah I'm looking it usually to it. is anytime that there's a show in fort worth the all the uh, best horses in the world are usually in Fort Worth, Texas, and it's always so much fun to watch the Open Finals. Whether it's a four-year-old, whether it's a five and six Open, or or the Limited, there's just so many good horses, and, and it's awesome to be in one place, Fort Worth, Texas, and get to watch all of them show. It's gonna be like Super Bowl Sunday, having both the four-year-old and the five, six-year-old Open Finals on that Saturday, and. The Section K fellas will be up in Section K and Will Rogers, so come hit us up. Yeah, that's something we haven't seen in a while, though, is uh, having those finals on the same day. I think it's going to be both open finals on the same day. is going to be pretty awesome to see. Like and Cohen also said. getting moved back to Saturday uh, it gives a lot more people reason to be there and, yeah. and go have fun afterwards, too. Yeah, spend the whole day For- in Fort Worth, and if you want to spend the whole night in Fort Worth, have it that, too. Yeah, it definitely makes it more of like an event, like a an evening out. You can go and watch the finals and then go have a nice dinner at a restaurant there in Fort Worth or something like that. Speaking of Fort Worth and Rudd, our uh, TCU alumni here. I go Frogs. Is there any good places that you uh, you like to eat? I mean, you live there. You live there for everybody to go try. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean you live there for eight years, so you got to know some of the good spots. Tons of good places. The first place that I would recommend that. Everybody needs to hit up while they're in town is Heim Barbecue over on Magnolia. That is by far the best barbecue in town. Travis Heim, Emma Heim, they're great people, um, fellow TCU alumni, and all their food is just phenomenal. You should check that out. Gus's Fried Chicken's right by Heim. It's another solid place. I mean, the usuals, like Matt Miller was saying, I love the great outdoors, good sandwich spot. Yeah. Taco Head's right there on Montgomery's a good spot. Yeah. Salsa yep. Limon's a great spot. Flying Fish. Flying Fish is always solid. If you're looking for something a little bit on the healthier side, Snappy Salads is right 
right down university, just right there on the river, Woodshed, Tim Love's place, great spot. McKinley's Bakery, another healthier option. Um, yeah, I love the shows in Fort Worth because it's an excuse to eat at good places. So, yeah, check out some of those places if you are looking for places to eat while you are in town for the cutting. On the higher end of restaurants to go eat at, I recommend Texas Day Brazil. Definitely. Excellent take- choice. <laughs> Be ready to eat, too. CBL, you always leave that flag up, huh? Tell them to just bring you some more. Bring you the beef. Yes, That's what sir. Tell in the cutting pin, too, huh? Yeah. Amen. That- they, uh, that's pretty cool when they come around with a bunch of different types of meats and I hadn't been there too much. Honestly, I need to, I need to go there more often because it is Fogo de Chao, Texas de Brazil. Any of those Brazilian style steakhouses are absolutely phenomenal. I love checking those places out. I, I only go when someone else is inviting and they are buying. <laughs> <laughs> so I've only been twice. <laughs> strategize cbl i love it man you'll be in town for the final so we might have to hit up a meal at at texas day brazil or something the ncha has officially hired kirk slaughter as the new executive director pretty interesting big time hire for the ncha fort worth guy big time ties to will rogers and the whole city of fort worth so I'm pretty excited about Kirk and excited what, what he's going to bring to the table for the NCHA. What do you guys think about old Kirk? Yeah, I think this is a really important hire for NCHA. I mean, we need somebody to man the ship right now. And with somebody somebody like Kirk who has deep ties to Fort Worth and the city, and, and uh, I think that uh, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I know it's no secret that NCHA is in some trying times right now, and, and this is definitely a hire we really need to nail, so – Big time hire for sure. I agree. Not only does he have big time ties to Fort Worth, he's got big time ties to Will Rogers. I know he's been the head guy over there at Will Rogers Memorial Coliseum for a long time and has overseen all the rodeos and And a lot of NCHA events too for years now. So I think it's great that we got someone that's close to the Will Rogers Memorial Center and close to the city of Fort Worth. And hopefully we can reach out to Kirk and maybe have him on the podcast and Maybe pick his brain and and let you guys listen to what he has ideas for the NCHA. Yeah, and I'd like to wish him the best of luck in his new job. Before we get into our interview with Casey Green, we wanted to take a brief moment and give a shout out to CuttingHorseCentral.com, your one-stop shop for all things cutting and performance horse related. Without Mark Michaels and CuttingHorseCentral.com, the Section K podcast would not be where it is today. And now, without further ado, enjoy a conversation that Cody and I were fortunate enough to have with Cutting Horse trainer Casey Green. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you a man who eats, breathes, and sleeps all things cutting. He has become one of the greatest cow pickers to ever sit above a herd of cattle in Will Rogers Coliseum and is one of the most selfless individuals in our entire industry. He was the 1998 Senior Youth World Champion, earned 365 youth points, and has accumulated $1.2 million in the cutting arena. He was your 2019 Cattleman's Cutting 5- and 6-year-old Open Champion, Mr. Casey Green. Greeny, how are you, man? Good, man. Thank you all for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking the time and coming over. We appreciate it. It's a long drive, but I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of convenient having you uh 
I guess pretty much right out my back yeah, door. You think you come see me more? <laughs> I understand. Brought the stock trailer and everything too. Yeah. yeah. Granny's been cowboy rig. <laughs> per usual. Speaking of that, Granny and I punched some cows earlier yep. this winter, we year, didn't we? We have. That was a good time out there at Dawson Burns. Yeah. Shut up. Cody Dawson got lost. Burns. We had to find him. But, yeah. <laughs> that tends to happen a lot with yeah. Porterfield. You're always there to pick up Porterfield yeah. slack. Whatever. Well, we'll, we'll get to some of that. It's some heavy you. slack. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's Somebody's awesome. got to pick it up. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, Casey Green, he was the five- and six-year-old Open champion at the Cattlemen's Cutting recently on Tally 8 for Bobby and Mary Jo Hawkins. Uh, Greeny, what do you remember from that day? Oh, uh, just good run. I mean, wasn't always the best draw. Like, we were next to last, and cows were a little tough, and we sorted through them, and kind of the same story as Matt. Um I cut a gold horn cow. I only cut two cows, and the gold horn cow was second, and it made the run. Um, kind of same approach that Matt took when, when the four-year-old, you know, we cut a decent black cow first that just built, and then we kind of – I stepped in the herd on my second cut, and Matt's telling me a black cow, and I'm the only one that really liked this gold horn cow, and when I walked by it, it just rolled off of me and walked out there and waved, and I'm like, shit, I got to do this. and either go big or go home, so we'll see what happens. Love that. Yeah. Love that. That's why yeah. that's why you're our friend, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna swing, you might as well swing. Yeah. Graham's one of those places where it's it's tough and especially in a big herd of cows and being late, sometimes you end up picking those little squirrely yeah. ones that, you know, everybody was a little scared of at first. Yeah, and, you about have to, especially in them finals, because, I mean, cutting like that or any cutting nowadays, I mean it's the the open's tough, especially in a late draw, because they sort through them cows hard yeah and you're down to some dumb gentle black cow or one that everybody's kind of avoided early because it was standing there looking cross-eyed and you know and you get down to it if especially late in that bunch you either you gotta mark you a, a 15 on a couple soft black ones or if you want to take a paycheck home you gotta see what happens you know and if it works it works and sometimes it don't and you look like an idiot but at least you go down swinging yeah I agree. I'd rather strike out than hit a base hit. <laughs> so. well, yeah, as good as that cattleman's deal paid. I mean, yeah, kind of had all the all the reason in the world to come after it. Um, you bet. With that, where did you grow up, and how did you start showing cutting horses? I actually grew up doing it. My dad trained horses, and we preconditioned cows when I was growing up. Um, dad, he never rode a bunch of horses, but we always had horses, um, especially cutting horses and a lot of just horses to ride and stuff. Um, we preconditioned cattle for Eastern Livestock, which at the time was one of the biggest stalker cow deal in the country. So we run, oh, there was always 500 to 1,000 head there, you know, doctoring yearlings and stuff like that. And I showed my first horse when I was four years old and just kind of kept rolling. I've always, I mean, this is all I ever wanted to do. I mean, this from the get-go, you know, I mean, how we before school and after school and what we do is work and live to cut i guess <laughs> yeah but it's it's like this is all i've ever done so i've enjoyed a lot and 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 there i guess there was times like in high school i played football and some other sports but it was always come back to come back to the horses and cows and stuff at home and where did you grow up indiana i bet you had a lot of cold there was a <laughs> cold lot of winters. cold muddy mornings and cold yeah. winter nights and but there's a reason I live in Texas now too. Yeah, these last, these, <laughs> these last few months yeah. were 
hard on a lot of people. I bet yeah. you were just licking your chops. Yeah, like, this I was, is nothing. Yeah, I was happy to be. It was. It's been cold here, but it's lasts for a day or two, and then it warms back up. When it gets cold up home, it's a couple months before it warms back up. <laughs> so, growing up in the cattle roots and whatnot, do you mm-hmm. still have cows down here that you raise and stuff like that? Yes, or? I do. I got a few head of mama cows. Um, trying to increase that herd a little bit every year off heifers, raising heifers and keeping them. Um, but it's it's not nothing big now. But you know, I think there's oh twenty head there. So we're, like, it's growing. Like every horse trainer's uh, college fund for their kid you is bet. Just a bunch of mama cows. That's I know it. that that's, was mine when I was growing that's up. That's what it's there for. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's there for. I got to get the herd bigger before <laughs> college costs more than it used to. Yeah, exactly. So, Casey, you said you grew up showing. Um, like I said earlier, you were the 1998 Senior Youth World Champion. Talk about um, how hauling came to be and – kind of who you hauled with and just a little bit about hauling in the youth class uh it was a great experience i still use it today um just showing a lot in the youth i mean i showed indiana kentucky ohio illinois growing up tennessee a lot and as i got older the strong youth classes were in mississippi and louisiana and alabama that's just kind of like north texas right now when you're having like north texas there's going to be 12 to 20 in the youth every time well that was the case in Mississippi and Louisiana at the time and oh in 90 97 I showed a little a little bit more consistent a little bit stronger toward the south Tennessee and a little bit in Mississippi and always had a goal that I, I wanted to do it and was fortunate enough when Christmas break that was my present was we went to the Abilene Winter Circuit and then went to the Louisiana Winter Circuit from there and had a really good start to that year i picked up i think it was 18 points in that first two weeks and when we got home mom and dad kind of sat me down and said hey we we can do this but you got to put the work in to do it and you got to keep your grades up and we talked to the school where i could get out on fridays and and i traveled from home to louisiana or mississippi every weekend tennessee a little bit um sometimes mom or dad would go with and sometimes i had to go on my own because they were working and stuff and it made for some long drives home sunday to get up to go to school on monday but it's sometimes you got to go you got to sacrifice some stuff so i remember those days growing up on the west coast and hauling and and i I agree with you still to this day i mean you use the same things yeah i mean you're lasting a bunch in graham texas it's cattle are getting a little sorted through and it's okay guys yeah you know eddie i mean eddie flynn's a strong mentor but he'll still walk by me whether we're at sweetwater or the fraternity or the feel derby them up, <laughs> yeah feel them out go back to them youth days yeah you know i mean and to this day i still go back to watching you know those youth days like i was i've always been i feel like observant toward other showmen um stayed with keith deville down there half the year in 98 when i graduated high school i left that night and moved to louisiana lived with him for the rest of the year and another six months and hauled with him and i still remember stuff he he would tell me as i was going through the herd and you know you put him in one corner and pat earnhardt in the other corner and if you even listen at all you'll learn more than you you can in 10 years um those two men can walk through cows you know pat pat to this day i still remember watching him show horses in batesville 
the cows could be horrible in Batesville and everybody else struggling and Pat walk up there to the top of the herd and sit there for look like two minutes turn around and cut one and it just stands there in the middle and dances back and forth for him everybody else is getting smoked and they're like where did they let that cow in for you or <laughs> i mean he was he was a master at it and kelly's the same way to today i mean yeah you see that yeah kelly earnhardt too. is i mean she uses all those techniques and i feel like I, I probably over the last three years i've started thinking back to some of that stuff and and pulling some of that up in my showing if that makes sense and yep and it's it's helped me be a little bit more consistent when the cows get bad the consistency speaks for itself i mean you've had plenty of finalists in, mm. at the fraternity and i'm sure that is the same way you know you just go down there yeah. fraternity too and it's you know i mean actually it's it's probably helped me as much in fort worth as anywhere yeah you know because at the fraternity it it takes a good horse but it takes two clean runs to make the semis yeah. no bobbles and your bobbles come from cuts and on cuts and if you can slow down and and open your eyes on those cuts and use a little keith deville and pat earnhardt pay attention here and see what's going on then you can kind of sneak around and get showed clean and hope your horse is good enough and trained well enough that you can advance yep so growing up and even now who are some of your mentors that have helped you a lot in the industry yeah i mean i gotta go back to where i started i mean my dad still to this day i mean if it's nothing more than a work ethic yeah you know i mean that was drilled into me as a kid and i hope i drill it into my kid too because i think it's paid dividends for me um a lot of a lot of stuff riding a horse and training a horse comes from him um and then eddie flynn i gotta give a lot of credit to him too when it comes to getting one broke between your feet and between the bridle reins it's it's good as it gets and you know, the stuff I picked up from him, I worked for him for almost four and a half years when he was there at Alice Walton's. Um, we rode some pretty good horses and had the the ability to go, go show them. And he was on the road a lot. And when I started, I was just loping for him. And as those four and a half years went, I was staying home working two-year-olds and three-year-olds while he was on the road. And and the stuff I picked up from him is it's some, – some of the stuff is so simple it's stupid. <laughs> You know, but it's it's laid a foundation to to get me where I got. You know, and then as far as other mentors, I mean, you gotta. When I feel like I, I personally want to take advantage of any conversation I have with any of the great guys, yep. whether it's talking about anything, you know how they, how they ate breakfast in the morning. When you know Lloyd Cox is a perfect example. If I'm having troubles with anything, I'm gonna go to Lloyd or I'm going to go to Paul Hansman or, or Sean Flynn even, you know, and these guys that, you know, Sean, Sean, Eddie's brother, I still go to anytime I'm at an agent event and struggling in a spot with a horse, whether it's an amateur horse or open horse. Hey, what do you think? You know, and, and I feel like they've been real willing to, to help me. And maybe it's because I'm not going to get mad or, or butt hurt if they tell me, Hey, it, it just ain't working yeah you know you you need to change something drastic or you need to change something little and i made a point to make sure that hey i don't have any feelings when it comes to this if i'm sucking right now just tell me <laughs> you know and if i like i told you the other day whenever yeah. we were in grant <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know if i need punched in the gut swing let me know that hey you need to back up and regroup here and and any of those any of those guys that are successful like i'll go to anybody for advice if yeah 
Well, I think it's pretty easy to want to help a guy that is so selfless and helps as many people as you do. Um, you've been there for countless people that I know, whether it be uh, my good friend, uh, trainer Tom Dvorak, Cody Porterfield, uh, numerous people that I can count of be there to show horses, help their customers. Um, like I said, it's easy to want to help a guy that is always there to lend a hand. And with that, helping is kind of another one of your expertises. You're pretty much there for every set at the Triple Crown events mm-hmm. and every set at basically every aged event we go to. Talk a little bit about first a day at the ranch, but most importantly, a day at the Super Stakes coming up or a day at the Derby. Oh, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's expertise as much as I'm dumb enough to stay there and help everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's been... I've been fortunate that I've I've got to help a, a lot of great people, um, great showmen, and there's no higher honor for me than when somebody like Kobe Wood comes up to you and says, hey, help me, or, or Lloyd, or Pete Branch, or Paul Hansman, or any of those guys. I mean, that's, I mean, that's like winning a cutting to me, um, just because I look up to those guys so much. And a day in the life, I mean, it's, whether, it, I mean, hell, we start at four or five o'clock every morning and go till we get done. And they they were finishing up when I left. So it's it's a long day no matter where you're at. Um, the day in at the Super Stakes, you, it's long. <laughs> you know, if, if we're working at home, we'll start at two o'clock. And I'll work horses till 630 and I'll go in and take a shower and change and drive into Fort Worth for an hour and stay in there and help all day and hope I'm done and don't have to come home and work something else when we get home. Um, so it's, you're going to go, you're pushing eight, 16, 18, 20 hours a day during those eight, during those triple count deals. I guess a, a question I really want to know is, is why? I mean, I know you got amateurs and you got to take care of them, but you don't have to stay for everybody. So why, why do you do it? Because I want them to stay to help me, if well, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's um, this is a unique sport that you got to do your own job, but you got to have four people there to help you. Yeah, and they're four really good friends, and I would, I hope that they would stay to help me if I was there, and I'm gonna do the same for them. Yeah, because you gotta, you have to have support as a group or as an individual. I mean, you gotta have, you have to have support. And you got to have support at home, and you got to have support from your peers at the cutting to to succeed, because it it takes five people to do this. It doesn't take just one in the show pen, not to count out back. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, behind that judges stands is a whole different deal. Yeah, and I think one of the things like that I notice is you're always there helping helping those same guys as amateurs, just like you would want them to help your amateurs yep. while you're there. And and I think something that kind of goes unnoticed and in our industry at times is the camaraderie that we have and like and the camaraderie you see between all these trainers i mean it's not just everybody for themselves i mean you've oh, you sat bet. here and told yeah. us the countless people that you get you get advice from every day mm-hmm. and, and i think that that's something that i'm glad to hear you say that because it it goes so unnoticed yeah. throughout I was on the, our inter- I was industry on the phone yesterday with pete branch for 20 minutes talking about a horse yeah so i mean it's you know, you, you have to, to, to me, if you want to succeed, you got to look toward coaches or mentors. Yep. And it, when you stop looking toward taking advice from anybody, you know, I mean, I, I'll take advice from any, anybody, top non-pro or top amateur. There's something yep. you can pick up if you're paying attention. 
it might be something little, but it's it's there. You know, it might just be a, a different competitive drive or anything stupid, you know, but it, it'll help somewhere along the way. Um, and you've got to be willing to accept that, and you've got to be willing to give that when that time comes. I think one of those things, because you are there all the time and, and you're willing to help people, we see you also settle a lot of herds of cows and Will Rogers and mm-hmm. at these other cuttings that we go to. And and do you think you take some of the knowledge that you learned while you were on the on the feedlot when you were growing up to the cows when you're in there settling them? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's to me, it's a lot of just feeling a cow and the more – Cows, you put your hands on, the better you have a feel for it. Um, and, I, hell, I use the settling as much showing, you know, how, how are these cows reacting? Do I need to walk? Do I need to run mm-hmm. when I'm showing? Um, do I need to be very aggressive or a, a timid, controlled aggression? You know, how do, how do I approach these cows? And and I, I use every advantage I can. And when you're settling cows, pay attention to feel those cows. Yep. You know, can they, can they take the pressure? You know, do when you're showing and you got a horse that needs to move around a lot more. Are these cows a little numb? So you got to be a little riskier on your selection. Someone that might just be a little stupid. Um, if you have a horse that handles a softer cow better, you're gonna have to hunt around and pay attention. And and feeling those cows settling, it helps there. But yeah, growing up, I mean, you know, sorting cows in an alley a foot. Yeah. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. That's the best way to learn how to handle cows. Yeah feel is something that you can't really teach somebody and when I first started showing horses you've helped me for Mm -hmm. as long as I've been doing it and I was didn't have I mean I didn't know a thing about a cow I didn't have very good feel but with your help and help of some other guys have helped me Porterfield and Matt Miller and Tommy D and a bunch of other countless guys have helped me feel like I've been able to grasp the concept of feel and that's a super important aspect of our sport and yeah yeah for sure knowing how big that bubble is on a cow i mean you can't hey it's a it's got a 10 foot circle around it you know you push on that 10 foot circle well that circle changes on every cow so yeah you have to be able to feel that that bubble on that cow it's not something hey i can tell you you know go 10 feet from it and then step to nine and see where it goes well you have to you have to feel that yourself that's one of the biggest things i learned was that you guys kind of hammered into my head is they're not every situation is not the same you have to read the situation you bet so being that you probably settled a lot of cows before this point but tell me about the first time that you had to settle a set of open cows and will rogers and and if you're nervous or scared to death but <laughs> more than nervous who was it for um well, I think it was actually Pete Branch was the first set in Fort Worth. Um, open cows. Um, yeah, scared to death would be the word. <laughs> and I've actually been, and there's no greater honor than have, you know, somebody come up to you and settle up. Hey, settle these open cows for me. Yeah. And um, and you never quit being, to me, you never quit being scared. Lloyd Cox came up to me the first round of the fraternity this year. The bunch before he was fixing to show his horse. And it's was the, the horse everybody said was his good one said hey settle that next bunch and i'm like uh uh uh, uh <laughs> yes uh, sir <laughs> i gotta go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> um i hope i'm back in time yeah you know and you walk and they let these cows in and and they probably all come in chewing their cud and cruising around and i felt like they come through the gate 90 mile an hour fire breathing oh dragons. man i was like oh my god this is the first round of the fraternity and these cows look like this yeah and and once you start settling them, you, you kind of 
all that goes out the door and you just do your job. But when you catch them and hold them for the first time and you've got Pete Branch or Kobe Wood or Lloyd Cox sitting there beside you going, yeah. you better do good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that that's that's nervous is one thing, but scared to death. I mean, yeah. scared to death. Well, and Lloyd got along too, by the way. He <laughs> yeah, marked like a 22 or something. Yeah, I think I was there for that run. Yeah. It was a pretty good run yeah. too. I think – uh, Shout out Miss Baby Cakes. <laughs> yeah. But I did leave before he crossed the timeline. I didn't even want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I think as spectators and, and people that watch the open cutting and stuff, it it becomes a little bit of a drag sometimes because there's times when those cows take 50 mm. minutes and, and there's times when they only take 30 and it's hard gauging it and stuff. But one thing that's tough to understand is the person that's settling wants these cows to be you good bet. because yeah. it's all their buddies that are in this yeah. set, you know. Yeah, you bet. And uh, I think yeah. that – Sometimes we lose track of, you know, those those cattle changes do get a little lengthy, but it's kind of for a reason because yeah, you want just best, like you said best before, best cutting we can have. You yeah. know, the best cutting we can have, not just the first horse, but the last horse too, and every horse in the middle. And you know, it's a sometimes it it's quick and sometimes it's not, but you know, you have that pressure. I mean, yeah. because you just like you said, Lloyd Cox, eight million dollar man, yeah, wanted you I mean, to settle a set of cows, and you know, and and. Yeah, I love Pete Branch, and I'll, I talk to him a lot, but he's not going to drive up. <laughs> and Eric Fort Worth, they can be a little fluffy yeah, even when can. you knock him to the gate, and he's he'll just, he's going to brush the flies off the front of him when he shows. <laughs> That's awesome. Casey, we're going to go into a series of questions called the Questions from the Cow Box, a familiar place for you Sweet. and a place you spend a lot of time. We're going to ask some questions that don't necessarily pertain to horses. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite cutting memory in the saddle showing oh in a year went in the youth world in 98 and a run the first fraternity finals on buckaroo boone um both two are goals that to me that anybody shows i mean it's not an open world champion but when i was 18 it felt like an open world championship and a goal every year is to make the fraternity finals and that first one i mean that's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's three, cool anytime. I still get chills walking down the alley at Fort Worth, whether it's the Futurity, the Super Stakes, or the Derby. But that first Futurity Finals, when you're walking through them gates for the first time to show in the finals. It's, it's a surreal feeling. Yeah, I mean, I still, like, I get I'm chills right now just thinking yeah. about that date. Um, what's your favorite memory helping someone? Um, I've been pretty fortunate. I've helped a couple winners in Fort Worth. Um, a lot of winners in Fort Worth. Yeah, even the, helped me win in Fort Worth. Yeah, I did. That was that was a lot of work itself. <laughs> um, the first real memory helping somebody was actually helping in my first fraternity finals. Um, and I'd already made the fraternity finals, but hadn't helped anybody in it. I think it was maybe 2011 when Ronnie Rice was second on Jewel Bar's cap. Yep, he was first out. Yeah. And I'm sitting up there watching cows, and Ronnie crosses the timeline, and and it's the first time to really watch cows for somebody else who's actually helping Lee Francois. And Ronnie goes down there, and he cuts three yellow cows, and I mean, they're it's just a sweet run, yeah. like it's it's good. And you're sitting up there, and he's first out, and you just watch these cows for 30 minutes, and he does 225 and first, first horse, horse and I'm like man this is cool right here now this is 
this is cool. This is it. Don't get no better than this. And um, that was probably as far as setting up our watching cows. I mean, helping helping Kobe win there in Fort Worth was pretty cool. Um, last year on on cool and hot, that was that was pretty cool. Like I got heap of respect for Kobe Wood. Um, probably more than a lot of people know I do. Um, he's awesome to kids. He loves my little girl. Um, he, I mean, he, she showed the last two years at scholarships on horses that he owns and, um, spent some significant time at the mm -hmm. Woodhouse too, if yep. I remember correctly. Yep. He's, um, he's a big mentor and to help him get a championship in Fort Worth was pretty cool. Pete Branch the same way on Kit Kat Sugar. Um, so those are some pretty big ones to help. Kobe, he helped me one time. I think it was at the Fort Worth Stock Show and I'll, I just, to this day, I can hear his voice mm -hmm. and just, I mean, everything he said to me during that run resonated. And, yeah. and I remember, I mean, I just, I took a lot of stuff from yeah. that run. And it's pretty entertaining watching him help Paula or his girls Ooh. too, though. Yeah. And trying to help with him. Even, hey, even, yeah. Over here. Yeah. Over here. Yeah. Help, trying to help with him is even more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite place to show? Fort Worth. Fort Worth and then South Point. I like South Point yeah. too. Um, you do bit, love self a little bit for you? the blackjack and cards, <laughs> but you know it's fun cutting too. Yeah, but Fort Worth, I mean, it's it's that's the place. I mean, it's that's it. Yeah, just like you said, talking about those runs was yeah. giving you chills. I yeah. mean, it's I mean yeah. every time we're in those fraternity finals, yeah, it's it's just an awesome place. Yeah, that um, walking through them gates the first time, first day of the fraternity is the same way. I mean, every year it's uh, and here we all this work here we, we put go. in for two years. <laughs> It's Cross live or die right walk, now. Walk the gates. <laughs> yeah, live or die right now. <laughs> um, with that, in Fort Worth, what's your favorite meal in Fort Worth besides a monster and a Snickers bar? Yeah, anything <laughs> anybody will bring me. Yeah, I'm not real picky when it comes to them shows. Like, it's just give me some food. Yeah. I just need some fuel. What won't you eat? Like, if somebody brought it, like, mm-mm. Oh, if somebody brings it, I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I really will eat anything. I'm I'm not a big fan of sushi though. If I had to say something, I'm not gonna eat it sushi. I'm I'm gonna try to avoid that at all costs. Shout out to 2016 Summer Spectacular. Yeah. I almost died. Yeah. What's your favorite activity to do on the ranch when you are not working horses or off the ranch? Um, on I mean, pretty much spending time with my little girl and my wife. But I love working on stuff on the ranch too. You know, I love welding and building stuff. And yeah, you're quite the handyman. Yeah. Yeah. But didn't you build the house or remodel the house that you we guys remodeled the house? Yeah. Yeah. And you did it all yourself, right? Yeah, me and dad. Me yeah. and my dad. But it um we put a lot of time into it, but I enjoy it. It's um some people play golf. I'm not much good at golf, so I weld. <laughs> um but I, I enjoy welding. Maybe it's just the fact when the welder's running I can't hear my phone or hear anybody else. <laughs> but it's a it's a peaceful place for me, I guess you could say. Yeah, you've put a lot of work into your place, and it definitely shows. I've been over there a few times, and it's a beautiful place. Thank you. What type of music do you generally listen to when you're working horses or driving oh, to a show? Oh man, it it'll it varies. Um, I love old country and old country, like '60s, '70s country, '80s country. I don't really care for modern country. Um, love Ian Tyson, Red Steagall. Um, Red dirt country. Oh yeah, like well, I guess like a little of that. Yeah, that's some cowboy poetry stuff. Yeah. I even listen to that. Um, I like eighties rock too. Um, I can 
like driving at two in the morning or three in the morning and my eyes are getting heavy if it's <laughs> it it's liable to be some 80s rock yeah those those red eye drives to yeah. and from vegas that, yeah. that you will always 18 be hours straight yeah hopefully your truck doesn't break down i yeah. think there was one year that happened a couple years <laughs> <laughs> kind of on a more serious note what motivates you family um and just to be successful you know and you know you to motivate is a, a big word but i look at you know every day wake up to ride the three-year-olds to get ready for the paternity and that that's a motivation daily two and three-year-olds um big motivation is have a place for my little girl to grow up um and and get her through college whether it's a cow calf operation or whatever it is i you know i want her to have a, a chance to do whatever she wants to do and that's that's why we work 18 20 hours a day what is one thing you wish you would have known when you first started showing horses that you know now oh uh, keep it simple yeah I, that's pretty good advice keep it simple I think so too uh, i overanalyzed a lot and keep it simple showing keep it simple training when it comes time and that cow leaves he better turn with the cow and how he turns around is pretty much irrelevant if he doesn't turn around at all um so keep it simple go with the cow and you know that if i'd have kept it that basic 10 years ago 15 years ago it'd have been a lot simpler and easier <laughs> i know that you've told me that i might plenty still of have times. a little hair <laughs> <laughs> you've told me that plenty oh, yeah. of times oh yeah you know training my three-year-olds and, yeah. and needing some advice at times and it's something that i try to think about every day too i mean because yeah. we do make it a lot more confusing than it needs to be yeah, sometimes. especially and it's just out of wanting to succeed and get better and do better and you know but sometimes doing better is just keeping it simple who is a person you'd most like to have a conversation with living or dead man that's tricky i'm i'm gonna throw back to any any and every true horseman um when you look back through the histories of not just the NCHA, but the, you know, the reigning and the cow horse at the start and any of these guys that helped build the industries or help build horsemen today, you know, the Matlock Roses, Don Dodge, Pat Patterson, you know, up through, you know, um, anybody, anybody, um, Bill Freeman, Greg Welch, you know, I was moved to the area a little bit when Greg was still around and didn't get to talk to him much, but, enjoyed listening to him when i was sitting there talking to somebody and you know and bill freeman and any anybody that that you would think is a mentor and that, w that would be it i mean i'm not real picky there but um I'd so take, you said you can get get advice from anywhere yeah, and i'm sure they yeah, got plenty of it yeah and it, it might be something simple goes back to simple but you know any of them guys that that you know growing up you read about or you watched and you know i know cody's been in it long enough he can you know the same way like grow up watching old videos of you know matlock or don dodge or buster i mean fortunate enough buster's still around but you know the the spots where you can ask these guys something might seem trivial at the time but it's would be worth hearing what they said yeah well that's Right before the fraternity, I went over to Sweetwater with Porterfield and mm -hmm. worked some horses for Buster, and that was an unbelievable experience. Yeah. I mean, just asking yeah. him questions. I mean, I'm sure he got 
tired of answering questions that I asked him, but I made sure that I left no doubt when I left the Nolan County Coliseum that I asked that guy anything yeah, and everything yeah, that I could imagine. That's it, you know. And true horsemen and people that love horses like that that man does, they don't ever get tired of asking like answering questions like that from from yep. people. I, 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 that's what I've learned yep. growing up in this. Yep. Last question: How would you like to be remembered? Oh, straight up, honest, hardworking. Um, ask me a question. You better hope you want to hear the answer because I'm going to tell it. you. <laughs> you may not like it, but at least you know that it's the truth of what I'm feeling. It may not be right, but that's where where I'm at, and that I tried. You know, I, I don't. I'm not one to say. I hate the word. I hate the word quit. I hate the word just give quit. up. You know, I don't. I don't do that very well. You know, you can ask Presley. That's, <laughs> we don't. You try. You know, it may not work, but let's try. Well, this sport, there's a whole lot of try involved because yeah, there's you been gotta times want where I've wanted to throw the broader reins yeah. and give up, cuss and give up, and yeah. you've damn sure been right there saying, "No, nope, we'll see you at the next one, Caden. Yeah. I'll be yeah. there to help you," and yeah. you've been there to help me. So thank yeah. you for that. I've learned that too. That you know, that's a whole different deal, but it's. You know, that sportsmanship side of it, I think I've grown a little bit there. You know, your competitive drive and, you know, you want to succeed and you're going to have fraternity fails. And I've honestly walked out of, the, out of showing one at the fraternity in first round and screw a cut up, something simple. Then I didn't make it simple. And I kicked a trash can plumb down the alleyway at Will Rogers. And when I got down the other end, I picked it up and went, well, that was stupid. <laughs> and now it's like, okay, let's, let's, if we got to go outside, but let's act like an adult here and just the sportsmanship side of it. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time, Casey, for coming over the, the long drive over here to Sutherland yeah, Lane. Yeah. And it's been easier to walk home straight across. <laughs> I just have to jump a couple fences though. <laughs> but yeah, no, thanks so much for, for stopping by. We really appreciate it. You bet. Pleasure yep. to be here. Thank you. Y'all are doing good. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Casey. So the first two rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament just finished up yesterday. Tons of good games. We had a pretty solid turnout for the Section K bracket competition on ESPN.com. So shout out everybody who signed up for that and is competing for a coveted Section K ball cap. So thanks everyone for entering that and was a hell of a week for games. I enjoyed watching basketball for four days straight. It was pretty fantastic. I look forward to this week every year and I had a great time. I can't wait for the Sweet 16 next week. Cody, how's your bracket holding up? Busted. It's busted. <laughs> mine's, mine's garbage, dude. It's a straight dumpster fire right now. Just <laughs> went ahead and doused it in kerosene and threw the box of matches on it and just waving at it just see you <laughs> see you later yeah i don't think i'm gonna check that other than to see who won because i mean this whole tournament's been pretty much chalk uh, when it comes to teams advancing and sure you saw a few upsets here and there in the first round but for the most part all those teams saw their dreams come to a screeching halt yesterday or saturday in the second round um, I know I thought UC Irvine was trying to make a pretty good game of it against another Cinderella team last night, Oregon, which Cody mentioned was going to make a run on this show. 
check yeah, the tapes. Yeah, and then I got nervous. <laughs> and then I got nervous and took him out of my final four. What an idiot. <laughs> I missed five out of the Sweet 16. Not awesome. I enjoyed, though, my favorite game of the week. And I'd like, I'm like i anxious to hear what you guys' favorite games of the week were. But that UCF-Duke game was absolutely unbelievable to watch. It would have been crazy had UCF had a few balls bounce in a couple different directions. I think you were looking at game. everybody's brackets being busted and UCF moving on. I mean, that, that lob that they missed, um, the free throw. Trying to go Zion, for the alley-oop. Yeah, the yeah. free throw that Zion missed and they rebound and put it back in for two. I mean, it's just crazy how just many small turns here there. You could be looking at UCF in the Sweet 16. So that was my favorite. Beating the, the, the number one that, team that in the tournament, too. That was such a tough matchup for Duke because they don't have necessarily that many good shooters. And and for UCF to have that 7-6 taco fall, manding the paint, it, I, I had a feeling it could be a tough game going into it. And my goodness, I, I don't I don't know what more you want to want to see out of a basketball game. Go, go down Go down to the wire. That was an awesome game. The game for me that I had a close eye on because I had picked Liberty to upset Mississippi State in the first round was the Mississippi State-Liberty game. And it went right down to the wire, and Liberty ended up winning by four. Uh, Liberty went down 10 with about 10 minutes left in the game, and they came back. That game was pretty back and forth. The entire game was pretty fun to watch. And also, pretty cool little storyline in that game, there was two twin assistant coaches – on both sides for one on Mississippi State side and one on Liberty side. I thought that was pretty cool. Two brothers duking it out. I don't know if I really have one of like a favorite game that I've watched, but I've watched Houston play both times and I really, really like that team. I talked about them in my final four and that's who I picked on the podcast. And then I changed it again too. Sounds <laughs> like you're but, real confident in your picks. You make picks. No, I I actually ended up putting that other bracket that I made in a different one, and then I, when I made this one, it was for the section stand. K deal, and it wasn't what I had said on the podcast. I put the wrong bracket in, but it's I, all good. Virginia was on the ropes again the other day versus 16 seed for I guess most of the first half. Yeah, and they. Uh, they. It was almost a repeat of last away. year against UMBC. Yeah, there was tons of memes and stuff on Twitter of, I mean, I think the UMBC basketball account even woke back up and was throwing shade at Virginia, talking about how number one seed was going to lose to a 16 again. So That would have looked real bad for me because I have Virginia in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I like Houston a lot. I like the way that uh, their guards play. Um, they play tough. I think it was uh, in the first game, their head coach, Kelvin Sampson, wrote on the board on the whiteboard and said, put them away. And it was when Georgia State was kind of hanging on and Houston just put the gas pedal down and just ran them out of the gym. I just really like Houston and, and the way they play. One of the most impressive things that you get to see in the tournament is the farther you go along in the tournament, it seems like any wide open shot is a knockdown. And it is crazy uh, because they're, they're, they have so much pressure on them to get a shot up in these good teams, the reason why they're good is they knock down those open shots and they make it look so easy. Sometimes they're way behind the line, but it's an open shot and they're draining it. 
Yeah, there's definitely been some fun games, fun teams to watch throughout the tournament for sure. Taking a look at the leaderboard for the Section K Podcast Tournament Challenge Bracket Pool. On top, Cade Smith, 99.8% after the first two rounds. Tied for second. NCHA non-pro fraternity champ. (laughs) Tied for second place. Colin Chartier and Andrew Viola with 98.9%. You can chalk his down for an L. He's got <laughs> Michigan winning it. Yeah, <laughs> Colin will be out. Bank it. Um, in fourth, tied for fourth, Ryder Carpenter and Riley Urban with 97.8%. Yeah, shout out the top five in the Section K bracket pool contest. Those guys have done a heck of a job picking teams after the first two rounds. I'm anxious to see what happens throughout the tournament and see if Colin Chartier's Michigan Wolverines win him the Section K podcast bracket competition because that's essentially what it's going to be coming down to so big thanks to everybody for joining into the bracket pool should be pretty fun watching see who wins that's going to conclude today's episode of the section k podcast big thanks for all the support follow our facebook page section k podcast our instagram feed at section k podcast and please 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 send us any emails anything you'd like to hear discussed on the show Section K pod at gmail.com. Good luck to everybody at the Super Stakes. We look forward to seeing everybody up there at the Cutting in Fort Worth. We'll see you guys down the road. See y'all.